Welcome to Stories of Hope. This podcast segment is part of Michael Crossan's itinerant preaching ministry. The Stories of Hope segments are a collection of interviews from various people from all walks of life who share their stories about how they discovered God's hope and purpose in life's darkest hours. I pray that these stories bless you and encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Welcome to Stories of Hope. My guest on this episode is Kelly Forbes. I have known Kelly for a number of years. I went to Bible college with her husband, Simon. Kelly opens up to me about her life, how she experienced abuse and subsequent trauma, and how she dealt with the trauma that she experienced and her hope in God. Viewer discretion is advised as we talk about these issues of abuse. Details of organisations to help you should you be affected by anything raised in this episode can be found in the descriptions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Yes, we're recording. Hi and welcome to this episode of Stories of Hope. I'm here with Kelly Forbes and she has come so kindly to agree to share her story. So thank you, Kelly. So to begin, Kelly, tell us more about yourself, who you are and where you're from. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, so I'm Kelly Forbes. I am originally from America, um, from a military background. So my family traveled a lot. So I don't really like have even a specific state that I would say like I grew up in. Um, But yeah, I've been living here in Northern Ireland for five, almost six years now. And um, yeah, just loving it. It's much more of a relaxed environment and like even work lifestyle is much more relaxed. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Oh yeah. And I I live here because my husband is from Northern Ireland. So um, (laughs) here's my next question. What brought you to here? (laughs) <laughs> so uh, my husband's called Simon Forbes. Uh, I know you would know each other quite well. Um, Total legend. So yeah, Simon, Simon and I met, um, gosh, we're coming on five years married, eight years dating. So eight years wow. ago, we met um, during Bible college. So um, yeah, dated long distance for three years. And now um, the, uh, the amount of time we've spent together in lockdown has probably been... <laughs> more intense than than the long distance but um uh, it's been good that's good so what state were you born in so i was actually born in germany i know (laughs) you are a military family yeah called your mother by mistake family (laughs) i'm a military man (laughs) definitely a woman (laughs) oh dear oh dear i close myself there awkward a military family background yeah <laughs> um so tell me more oh, we, we obviously established through my putting my foot in the awkward situations there that you came from military background but what kind of home background did you come from was it a christian home or mixed religious household or no no beliefs yeah whatsoever? so i would say um in the early years my family tried to be um quite a Christian home, but I would say it was like, we went to church on a Sunday, but then Monday to Saturday, like my family was completely different. So I wouldn't say 
they really practice what they preach kind of thing. Um, so I got really mixed messages from a very young age, although I really enjoyed church. Um, even I would say even until like whenever I started school and things like that, my family all kind of stopped going to church, but I was the one who consistently stayed in um, fellowship wherever I was in the world. Um, it was kind of like my safe place. And I, I've always been um, kind of, I guess, the beacon in the family, but obviously with that comes a lot of responsibilities as well. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about my background for family life, yeah. You, you've led an interesting life thus far. Um, I always love hearing different people's stories, where, they, where they're born, where they come from. Uh, it's it's always fascinating to me because every story, when it comes to the plan and purposes of God, every story matters. There's no such thing as a boring testimony. And I just love hearing it. Um, so within that, tell us about your life, because I remember on your Instagram live, which you shared on the week, which was, if our podcast listeners listened, was the Sexual Violence Awareness Week. So tell us a bit about your childhood and in your own time, when did the abuse begin? Yeah. So, um, gosh, the, the earliest kind of thing that I can remember, I was probably about four years old. Um, and I know I, you would have heard this on the live is whenever, um, even just in general, whenever you're looking back in your childhood, it's, it's very hard to remember every single thing, you know, um, that's just not how our minds work. Um, you remember significant dates, you know, that have meaning. So for me, when I look back, it's kind of like you, you open a filing cabinet and instead of being able to sift through the files, it's like papers just fly out and you're trying to gather and it's like, those are your memories that you're, you're trying to place and understand as an adult. So for me, I started to experience um, sexual abuse as a four-year-old. Um, and I know that's quite heavy for a lot of people to hear. Um, it's still very uncomfortable uh, for me to even process. I'm like, seriously, like, how, you know, it just, it's mind boggling. Um, and that kind of continued on. Um, on and off until I was about 11 or 12. Um, like I kind of said, you know, I really stayed in, in church and I, um, as I grew up, I really just avoided being home um, because I wasn't safe there. And so I just kind of put myself in other environments where I did feel safe. Um, and obviously like school and church played a huge part of that for me. Yeah, so school and church were like a safe haven, a refuge yeah. from the the piece that you're experiencing at home but when did you first speak out about it what made you feel comfortable and saying to someone I've been a victim of abuse I need to talk about it. what age where you can you remember that yeah. moment where you were able to speak that freely yeah so I remember a few times actually Michael um when I was quite young um I did bring it up, you know, to, to someone else in the family. Mm -hmm. um, it was briefly addressed, but nothing, nothing kept it from continuing to happen. Um, and obviously looking back, I think what that communicated to me was that, you know, I, 
me sharing wasn't actually going to make a difference that nobody actually cared enough to to do something serious about it um and i think as a as a child whenever you're kind of silenced like that it's you know you do you just you just kind of keep it in um I don't understand the full psychology of, of a children of a child's brain, but I know um, there's a lot going on, you know, in those developmental stages. Um, I shared again when I was in middle school, so um, probably just around the time that it had stopped, eleven or twelve, um, and I had requested to get um, counseling, and basically. Um, someone in my family had just said to me, like, Kelly, like, you just need to get over it. It happens to a lot of people. Um, so from then, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm still processing that one, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> that, that's that's a shock because it shouldn't happen to anyone full stop. Yeah. Abuse is no go. It's whether it yeah. be physical, mental or sexual abuse. Abuse is not OK because love does not abuse, period. Um, but even like, how do you even respond to even that saying it happens to everyone? I can't On it, I feel like I, I remember that day so vividly. Um, I, I could actually like paint the picture, you know, of, of what my environment looked like, who was standing there. And um, it just made me feel so like invalidated, you know, like, um, yeah, it was, it was really hard to process. And I think I just got really, really bitter and, you know, just really kind of closed off from the world at that point. Um, just felt like it was me against the world. And I think that played out in some of my behaviors as, as a teenager, um, just really aggressive, really avoided relationships with people. Um, and so from then I just felt like, you know, I just have to keep this to myself because obviously nobody wants to help me and this isn't something people want to address or talk about. Um, and it wasn't until I was 17 that I was in um, a youth night and there was a guy who was speaking there that night um, and he was probably in his twenties and he was sharing about how he was abused as a kid. Um, and honestly, Michael, like I was sitting there and I just felt like so uncomfortable and like, anybody who's been through trauma, whenever you're hearing someone else's story, it can sometimes cause you to relive your feelings and situations. So, um, you know, there's like for abuse victims, like there's this feeling of, uh, you know, your nervous system just kind of goes a little crazy. <laughs> you know, the kind of nervous energy starts flowing and I just felt so sick to my stomach. And um, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I need to talk to somebody about this. Like this is still bothering me. And at that point I was pretty close to finishing high school. I think I maybe had a few months left. So in my mind, I was already becoming an, an adult and um, looking after myself and planning my future. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just, I can't keep living with this secret, you know, like this is obviously affecting me. So that night I reached out to my youth leaders and started getting help from then. Um, and it, it's been a process and a journey. That was just the start of it, really. Mm -hmm. And in that time, would you call yourself a Christian at that point? And what, was there anything, a piece of scripture or song that brought you sort of a peace in that moment? Because as I talked to different people, 
in their story, sometimes a verse comes to mind or something that's been said. Did anything bring you hope in the midst of that onslaught of trauma that would come and being open up about it? What brought you peace in that? Yeah, so I definitely was a Christian at that point. Um, I had been baptized earlier um, in my life and I would say probably about a year ago, the church that I was at when I was 17, I joined the youth group. Um, and I remember going through it kind of a process of like rededicating my life to the Lord and um, really did like, they gave us like booklets that we did to understand the basics of Christianity. And um, I really felt like probably when I was 16, I really entered into a relationship with, with Christ. Um, and so during that sort of process of healing, I just really always found comfort in, you know, the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And for me, that was really specific because, you know, your heart and your mind play so much yeah. of um, processing trauma. And I was like, okay, like you're constant when you're, when you're going through healing and of any sort of thing, really, you know, your heart and your mind is quite open to you know, it's almost like open heart surgery. I feel like anytime you have to go in and, and talk to somebody about your past and hurt. Um, and I really felt like that was, that was God's way of, of bringing me peace. Um, and especially with what I experienced, having this pure love from a creator really brought, brought me a sense of peace as well. Um, and although like, I still don't understand, you know, everything about my trauma. I don't fully understand exactly why it has to happen, but part of my journey of healing is I had to realize like God was there with me through every situation. You know, um, I visualized how he was feeling when those things were happening to me. And, and I truly believe, you know, God, God was crying. He was, he was heartbroken for me to be in those situations and um you know he never left me and and I I know that's a fact because like I have always you know I really feel like God has protected me and kept me on this journey of, of faith um because um, if you look at the rest of my family that wasn't the case you know I was kind of a little loner off on a different path than everybody else but I knew if I hadn't I'd, I'd be in a very different position this exact day if God didn't, you know, keep me protected. So you see yeah. you're, you're that peace that it's sort of that peace in the aftermath of the pain, but also you experience his peace in the process mm -mm. of opening up. And yes, and there is counseling available. If, if anyone is affected by the issues that we're talking about, there are organizations and support. There'll be links in the description and please reach out to someone. You're not on your own. Yeah. You don't have to feel this way. Love does not abuse, end up, whether it be sexual, mental, or physical, and there is help available. But when you're talking about trauma and you're talking about how it affected you, how did you cope when something would have triggered a memory? Because trauma, it, it likes to rear its ugly head where it just makes you feel overwhelmed, you know, that kind of area. Ooh. <laughs> so I would say like I probably experienced triggers a lot of my life and just didn't even realize that they were triggers and definitely didn't have coping strategies for a good long while mm -hmm. um so I would say like even um I didn't really start experiencing probably like 
clear triggers until after I got married, you know, um, that brought up a whole new, whole new side of things. Um, obviously being vulnerable with another person, um, in marriage and in intimacy. And even just like, there was a situation where my father-in-law would come and visit us and stay with us. And, um, I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but, um, I had to have a conversation because I, I was very uncomfortable with him coming in late, um, you know, with his own key while he stayed with us. Um, and I didn't know that was a trigger. I didn't realize that, you know, there were certain things in my childhood where I didn't feel safe when, when people came into the house late and had been drinking and, um, and he had no idea, you know, I had never talked to him about my trauma. So that was obviously a trigger and caused caused me a lot of stress. And because I waited so long to even bring it up, you know, I lost a lot of sleep and, um, I wouldn't be able to sleep until he got home. And then I would still be even more uncomfortable until I knew he was maybe asleep. And then I would be going into work the next day, completely exhausted. You know, um, there's a part of your brain that gets triggered, um, with stress and anxiety. And so that was heightened and, you know, it takes a while to bring yourself down from that. So things like that, um, would come up and yeah, just having to learn how, how to cope with them. And I think you don't, you don't really just learn these things on your own. Like you have to have a therapist who has experience with trauma and who can teach mm -hmm. you how to process what you're feeling. Um, and I definitely, I got that kind of support from bridge of hope in kind of like Northwest Belfast, um, is where I went for a bit of trauma therapy in 2019. Um, and I would highly recommend that service, honestly, that that completely changed the way that I cope with, tra with trauma triggers now. Um, and yeah, I would, I would 100% recommend it to anybody who's experienced any kind of trauma for mm -hmm. sure. First of all, I'm in awe of you opening up and being so open with me. Um, how did you, how, how did you feel when telling your husband about it? And like, I know Simon, Simon's a great guy. I know he would have been supportive yeah. and loving and, you know, but is it, it's so, from what I know from and experience or telling, working in ministry, it's always the people you're close to is the most, most powerful I can be open and honest. Was that the case with you? Yeah, I was, I was definitely nervous. Um, to tell him whenever we were dating and we were getting quite serious. I knew um, this was something that he was going to have to know. Um, mm -hmm. And he handled it really well. You know, he's very respectful, but as any normal person would hearing about someone they love being abused in any mm -hmm. form or fashion, like he was very angry. Um, and, you know, he actually, I get it. I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but um, especially in 2019, I processed major triggers where I had seen my my previous abusers for the first time in oh, easily 15 years. Um, and uh, uh, Simon ended up doing counseling for himself to process, you know, how he was feeling about the situation, you know, because from his perspective, he's like, you know, um, what happened to me like affected him because he didn't, he doesn't always get the fullness of his wife, you know, and um, they, they stole something of his as well. Um, and 
obviously I'm not the person, you know, if, if you're in a relationship with someone and you've experienced trauma, like you were not the person to help them process, you know, they, they do need, um, an outside perspective and, and mm-hmm. person to help them process through that. Um, but yeah, no, he was really, really loving and he's been so patient, even in the times when, um, I've had to get additional therapy because it's all, it's always a process that you're always uncovering more layers. Um, so there are times in my life where like, I don't even think about my trauma or it doesn't affect me on the daily basis, but then there's times when you will get triggered and you have to address that. And sometimes it takes a few weeks to work through. Sometimes it's months. Um, and Simon's always been so kind and understanding, um, you know, because even when we got married, it was like, I don't know how I'm going to respond, you know, to intimacy, because like, that was my last like intimate experience, you know, I I very much protected myself throughout um, my teenage years and things like that. So um, even that process, like, I think you have to be open and honest with, um, with your partner, if that's something you've been through. Um, And again, just, just like, there's nothing wrong with getting help and counseling and therapy for, for both people, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, coming close to it, and uh, thank you so much for sharing and being open and honest. Um, what support or what support did the church give to you going through this? Because it's something that in our day, abuse, scandal, and even sexual abuse is starting to come into the forefront of the media and even in Christian circles. And in my opinion, it's something that we need to continually learn is how to deal with that and respond to that. Um, I'm drawn to the story of Tamara, King Davis' daughter, who was sexually assaulted, who was raped and how her father did not do the right thing at the right time. And I think nowadays, with such a strong movement towards the ending of abuse, it's not okay. What should we do as a church, as a Christian community, to help those who are going through, who have come from that background of abuse, going through a process of coming to terms with what trauma they experienced? What do you think, in your experience, that we should do as community of a community of believers in Christ? Yeah. So, well, first of all, the, some of the support that I received from the church when I was seventeen, um, I was put. Well, I was partnered with two people specifically. I was partnered with a pastor and then um, a pastor's wife who was experienced in supporting people who had been through trauma. So um, I went through, you know, a bit of like counseling and support with both of those individuals um, just to even because whatever you're healing through trauma, you're, you're not just talking about, um, your physical body healing. You're talking about your, your body. You're talking about, you have to address your emotions, your mental side of things, and obviously your, your spirit as well, you know, so, um, healing is a, is a multi part, you know, um, you just have to address it all, honestly, and you can't address it all at once. So, that's where the process comes in. But, um, I think as, as a church and as a community of believers, like we cannot be afraid to talk about it. Um, I know there will be, there were, would have been times in my life where I would not have been in a healthy place to talk about it, you know? Um, so if you've gone through it, don't feel like you have to open up and tell every single person just to start a conversation. No, definitely have safe people that you can communicate to, but, as a church, like we just need to start talking about it a bit more. Um, 
honestly, Michael, the amount of people that I have opened up to one-on-one and it's weird to kind of like say I have like this radar. I, I tend to know, I tend to pick up on, um, I think it's more like mannerisms and things like that. Mm-hmm. I just can really like somehow pick up on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre, isn't it? Um, and honestly, like most people I talk to who have also been abused have never shared with with people. Um, I can encourage them to get the help that they need. And as a church, like, um most people aren't gonna know like what to say and it's okay not to know how to respond to someone like I still don't even know how to respond to people whenever they say I'm so sorry I'm like it wasn't your fault like you didn't do anything um and that's okay like it's an awkward thing and and we'll learn how to get through it but even just you know having people on staff within the church community who if somebody opens up to you that you can have somewhere to point them to, you know, don't ever leave a conversation without offering to send them to some form of contact for help. Um, you know, I, I also see like a lot of it is generational as well, which would have been the case in my family. Um, and I've heard that a lot from people I've spoken to. It's, it's usually more times than not someone close to the to the victim who has been the abuser um and I think the more you you shine light and it, scripture says that you know everything in the darkness will be brought to light and I think the more you shine light on the situation maybe those who are in the place of being an abuser or have been abused the more you shine light on that, the more they would be willing to step out and get help as well. And I, I know right here in Northern Ireland that um, within um, social work that they do for people who come out and, you know, or um, I don't know the, the right term, but um, abusers do receive support here. Um, there are specific social work for that as well. Um, and you just have to stop the cycle. And the only way that happens is to talk about it and bring it to the light and, you know, accept people, honestly, like, yeah. I know it's, it's not an easy topic to talk about, but we just, we have to, we have to be willing to have that conversation. And then, and hopefully this episode of the podcast will give someone that confidence to step out of the darkness that they've experienced and step into the light and receive help. And for those listening to this podcast, love does not abuse, about it be physically, mentally, especially sexually, love does not abuse, period. And if you are experiencing abuse, you are not alone. It's not okay to feel this way. Please step out of the darkness. And it, it was difficult for Kelly, and it was difficult for others. Mm-hmm. But once you step out of the darkness, you're taking one step towards a healthy life of freedom and to experience love and peace. And there's counseling and there's pastoral support. I say this with absolute emphasis. There's links to uh, organizations. And feel free to Google wherever you're watching this, wherever part of the world, and receive help. But know this you are loved by God, and God does not abuse. God has some someone who will love you. God brought Kelly, Simon, who I know is a lovely guy, <laughs> and love does not abuse. Love is patient, love is kind. It bears all things, endures all things. So to those who are sitting in that darkness and I feel like there is this despair that there things won't get better, things will get better. So please take that step. 
and step towards the light things do get better thank you for listening uh, to this podcast of stories of hope and um, please tune in for the next episode in the next coming weeks i want to say thank you kelly for everything you've done shared i know it's not easy but thank you you're an inspiration and i pray that god will bless you and give you opportunities to bring light and hope to others thank you for, for joining me today oh that's amazing i received that thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories of Hope. If you're affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, contacts of relevant support can be found in the description. Please join in for the next episode of Stories of Hope. Thank you. Bye-bye.